This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 36 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk with Wynn Walcott from Renew Gold on how horse feeds can be contaminated. In Tigapedia, we learn about magnesium. Critter Nutrition focuses on how to avoid contaminated feed. And in Coffee Clatch, we discuss purebred dog crosses that are unlikely. P. I'm very excited about today's show. You want to know why? Why? Yes, I do. Because um, we have Wynn Walcott from Renew Gold. Yes. And I asked him on because, as you know, um, two very well-known dressage riders recently tested positive, their horses tested positive, for a banned substance called Racope. Ractopamine. Right. And I called Wynn on the phone and I said, Wynn, you're, you know, you're in the feed business. How, how does this happen? Right. And he was so amazing about the information he had about how feeds are made because he's been in the feed business for a gazillion years. Right. So I'm really excited that we have him because you need to hear it from the horse's mouth. Um, and this is a very serious issue. Right. As, well, as sure it know. is. Yeah, sure it is. Well, I, I cannot wait to hear about this. I am very excited. And, you know, the interesting thing that, that he and I talked about was the fact that if something happens in the dressage world, mm-hmm. it, it generally doesn't jump and get heard by the racehorse people. And it doesn't get heard by the barrel racers or the rainers. Sometimes it's heard by the hunter jumper. In other words, we're not sharing. And likewise, we don't hear when um, rectopamine shows up in a racehorse in California. We don't hear about that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And that there's a real need for this information to get out into the horse industry at large instead of just staying confined to our, you know, own particular sport. I'm sure the driving people have no idea that right. this has happened. Well, it, you know, it, it, it is so outside of the different sports. I mean, that part of it somewhat makes sense to me because when someone will say something happens in, you know, in, in a hunter-jumper world, which is, I mean, I guess I feel like that's the closest to us being a dressage. Um, it does make sense, but I wonder how we can close that gap. And I think we need to close the gap. Yeah. Yeah. Because feed contamination isn't an, isn't an anomaly, as we will find out in the show. So yeah, um, don't want to be doom and gloom, but it's yeah. it's really really important information. Yep, I'm anxious to hear about it. And we're here with Win Wolcott from Renew Gold, and we've invited him. This is his second visit to Healthy Critters because he and I had a conversation 
recently about contaminated feeds. And um, for many people, many of our listeners who are in the dressage world, you know that two very prominent riders, horses tested positive for rectopamine. The common denominator with what the horses were being fed was the feed. So I speed dialed my favorite feed person expert, which is Wynn. And he was a wealth of information, and I wanted everyone to um, hear um, his knowledge and experience on how feed does get contaminated and how, you know, his product in particular, Renew Gold, avoids those potholes. So welcome, Wynn. Welcome. Hey, it's a pleasure as always. (laughs) So can you lead us through the... Uh, the the chain that can cause contamination in horse feeds? I can. And this is not a new uh, scenario. Uh, this is something that's happened uh, as long as horse feeds have been made and medicated uh, livestock feeds have been made. And the primary uh, occurrence is a cross-contamination during the production uh, of those feeds. And um, we seem to hear more about it now, I think basically because of the wealth of information and the quick spread of information over the internet. Uh, these, these things, while fairly rare, um, are not uncommon, but the, in the past, before the internet, they happened um, in a certain area, all of the lot of whatever the contaminated feed was went into a specific area. Uh, usually the feed company and the damaged party came to some sort of an agreement, and that was sort of the end of it. People in the area would hear about it and get upset, but the whole country or the whole world wouldn't hear about it. Now, um, when horses die uh, or are are uh, ruined uh, by feed contamination, it spreads like wildfire on the internet. So uh, I think it is maybe not any more common than it always was. It's just more commonly uh, made aware today. Uh, so, uh, so basically what happens is most feed companies don't make their living feeding horses. They make, they make their living feeding livestock. And part of that um, involves medicated feeds um, for specific uh, species, and that's not a problem. They're safe products. Um, almost everybody knows what uh, an ionophore is now today because um, that's been the most common contamination. Which is the menensin, correct? Menensin. Well, it, menensin is one of them. There's there's several of them. Uh, Lasselacted is is a, another one that it has the trade name Bovitec. Um, Menensin, the trade name is Remensin. So, um, and both of those are uh, antibiotic treatments for beef, dairy, sheep, goat, and poultry, and um, and they're safe in those species, but they are incredibly volatile in a horse and. Um, to the point that one half of one gram of menensin can kill a horse. There is 454 grams in a pound. 
So one 454th of a pound can kill a horse. And so, um, but, but I think the most, the, what we're finding now, what we're learning today that we didn't learn, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago is that you don't necessarily have to kill them. Um, there can be a very, very minor level of contamination, uh, somewhere significantly lower than that one gram, um, that, uh, causes a negative impact um, to the heart tissue in the horse and basically ruins them as a performance uh, prospect or, or a performance horse, and but doesn't kill them. And we, this is fairly new news as far as what we see in the industry because, um, and we know this now because the testing has gotten better. We're able to test to more, uh, uh, to smaller uh, inclusion rates than we were able to in the past. And usually in the past, we'd go down to say five parts per million. If we didn't see it, we thought, well, that feed was clean, but you know, today they can go considerably lower rates than that. And they can, and they're picking up some residual amounts at that. And all of a sudden, some of these mystery damages in horses are making sense. Before we thought if it was there, it just killed them. Now we wow. find that it can maybe not kill them, and at but still have a, a, a debilitating effect. effect. Yeah, yeah, at at a much lower rate. But, but that's not the case this, with with rectopamine. That's not. That's no, not the same category no, of drug. No, rectopamine um, is primarily used in in swine production to generate leaner meat, and. Um, it's outlawed, uh, in, in many organizations, many horse organizations, um, because they thought there may be some advantages to it in horses as a steroid like, uh, supplement. Uh, so, uh, but I think that, that it's highly likely, um, but I don't know of anybody that's actually trying to sneak it into their horses. You know, I just don't think that's where the situation is. I think it's much more likely that um, a, a swine um, uh, formula was processed and there wasn't an adequate uh, flush out of before a horse product was made and that there was probably residual in the production line. Um, and, and I would imagine, I don't know, this is strictly my opinion, but, uh, you know, that's, that's how I could see that getting into these horses that had been, uh, that had been disqualified. And I think that, and there's some others too, uh, but you know, most of the other ones are performance enhancers and, and don't accidentally get into the feed. I mean, if they find it, somebody will likely put it there, but, right. um, for this product, you know, it would be, to me, it would be far more likely that it would be uh, an improper flush out or clean out on the production line after a swine product was made. So, um, you know, I'm not anybody's attorney. 
<laughs> I'm a bar cat. <laughs> right. So, uh, so when can you walk us through um, what you do to protect your product from contamination? Renew Gold. Y- yes, and and not to make a Renew Gold ad, but this is something that everybody should consider in, yes. when they buy feeds. Um, we manufacture in three different locations. Um, and the number one rule is that there can be no medicated ingredients produced there and no medicated ingredients physically on the property. So that's, that is the most ironclad way that you can in there. We're not the only company that does this. There's, there are other companies that, that have what, you know, the term clean mill has, uh, has popped up in the last couple of years to kind of signify that. Um, but there are other considerations beyond that. But, but those are, that's the most important one as far as I'm concerned. Um, and you also have to know, uh, there's another step that goes beyond that, though, and that's where, where do the ingredients come from? Yeah. Because... If you have ingredients that were processed through a mill that makes medicated feeds or a premix that comes from a mill that makes medicated premixes mm-hmm. or were transferred in a bulk truck that mm-hmm. had carried medicated feeds, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of other ways that something like this can occur. Um, so you really got to have, it's a le- and it is a really a leap of faith to a certain extent, even with somebody like our product. I mean, you know, we are, everything we do is food grade, but, um, and that is fairly unique. But still, when somebody buys our product, they're relying on our reputation of 35 years of doing this, that, you know, we've never made a horse sick. And, and we safety ourselves up. It's my name on the bag. So, you know, that's, that's uh, something that we do, and, and but we're not the only one, that being said. But there are, you know, these medications are not the only source of, of um, potential contamination. I mean, there's mold, there's salmonella, there's E. coli, mm-hmm. and all of that goes to ingredient quality and, and the reputation of um, and, seri- and how seriously uh, the company takes what they make. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's more to it than that, but as far as, um, you can't physically have, in my mind, you can't physically have medications on the property because the potential will always be there. Mm-hmm. If they're not making medicated feeds, there's no point to have them there. First of all, yep. if they are right. making medicated feeds, um, they have to be registered with FDA to make those medicated feeds. And FDA has a certain protocol on how the lines are supposed to be cleaned and flushed. And then there's supposed to be a non-medicated same species product as the medicated product before you go to a horse product. Oh, wow. So in, Hmm. in theory, there should be no way any contamination gets through there, but it does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we see it all the time. So um, the best intentions, mm. those people are still human. And, and the way to avoid that is not to have medications on the property. 
Wynn, can you explain a little bit about um, the processing of your rice? Because there's a lot of rice bran out there. It's in a lot of horse feed. But you have a very specific... Boy, Tigger, I don't know that you have enough time for that. <laughs> <laughs> we, there's, you know, and I, uh, we use stabilized rice bran, which we invented uh, in the 1980s. And um, there's a, a wealth of difference. And I tell people that feed raw rice bran or um, extended life rice bran, they need to be very careful with it because that is a waste product. And stabilized rice bran is destined to be a food-grade product from the very start, and it's handled as a food-grade product. And so it has less opportunity uh, to have the other type of contamination, um, the mycotoxins, the molds, salmonella, E. coli, uh, all of that that, that because of the way it's stored and the way it's handled. Um, But isn't it also initially you're extracting the bran in just a rice facility? There is nothing else. Correct. No, and and the stabilization of it has to physically be in that rice facility. You can't transfer it someplace else and stabilize it because it will already be rancid. The shelf life on raw rice bran is eight hours. Whoa. Mm. Wow. The shelf life on stabilized rice bran is one year. So, but you've got a very, I mean, we stabilize less than a minute off the rice kernel. Wow. And so, um, and then it's handled as a food grade product from then on. And actually that same product goes to General Mills and Quaker and, you know, and they use it in, and it's mixed back into rice flour to make whole grain, uh, whole grain rice flour. But that's, that's the domestic human use of, of the product but it's the identical product but you once you've stabilized it because this is what you told me then you bag it so it's not being transported loose oh that's in a, correct no in a, we, we never bulk ship it it, yeah. it never bulk ships so it doesn't go into a um uh, and it's and it's never and no bag is ever used twice. We we wow. bag it in those one ton those big one ton tote bags. Oh yeah, and we use those big bags one time. So, um, <laughs> I, I wish there was a way that we could use them because they're really <laughs> expensive. But uh, and and therefore the you know the uh, the cost difference in stabilized rice bran, it's the difference between a waste product and and a food grade product. And it's the same. Um, it's like, kind of like saying all hay is the same. Yeah. When, when, when people can at least relate to that. (laughs) Yes. If we're reading a a feed tag label and it doesn't say stabilized, could it be stabilized and they just don't say it or it would be unlikely. Okay. Um, because it is, so much more expensive to buy it, to stabilize it, to move it, to buy it, how it's handled, all of that makes it more expensive. And we obviously think worth it. Um, but that most manufacturers are pretty proud of the fact that they go to that extent. So, and, and you'll see a number of products out there that, that list stabilized rice bran as an ingredient. I was just looking at a Florida product today. Somebody sent me a label out, and and I was happy to see that they listed it as stabilized rice bran. Yeah. 
uh, as the ingredients list. And so if it doesn't say stabilized, it probably is not. Okay. Mm. And I'm cautious. I'm, I'm very cautious. Um, another thing that you pointed out to me, which I think is really, really important for people to understand, is that the level of testing that these um, international federations, uh, national federations, racing commissions, the levels of which they can test for contaminants is way, way lower than what the feed company mills are testing. I mean, their Very commonly levels so. are much higher. And, and, you know, they may, they may, um, they may test for a specific ingredient that is available in another, in a number of different forms. And, and therefore it would be illegal in one form because it would show up on a test in a more natural state. Um, it would be metabolized. It wouldn't sh- and broken down and wouldn't show as that ingredient. So um, I, I think in general, people rely too much on, um, being creative in trying to give a, a chemical advantage to the to an animal or a supplemented advantage to an animal beyond natural skill um, or natural ability or talent. They can only be what they can be. And, you know, genetically, some of them are superior examples to others. And, um, you know, it's kind of the silk purse out of the sow's ear deal. Um, but the testing has become so sophisticated today that um, people aren't just getting away from it. You know, there is one more piece to that and that is um, intentional contamination. And that's the third piece. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, there's a reason why um, in the thoroughbred industry, a lot of the top horses have somebody in front of the stall that never leaves. Right. Um, you can drop something in the water, you know, and uh, uh, we don't see that generally in the types of competition horses that we're involved with here in the U.S., but where you do have the potential, and it's kind of the one thing that people don't really pay a lot of attention to, and maybe rightfully so, but there's always the disgruntled employee mm-hmm. um, aspect of having uh, uh, if if you have a, a mill, a feed mill that makes a medicated feed on a completely separate line and you have a contamination issue, somebody that got fired may have walked past the bin mm-hmm. and dropped a handful in, you know, and that's the one thing there again, it gets back to having no medications on the property. Yeah. You yeah. just take, that's another piece that you take away from that. I mean, you yeah. know, I'm not an overly suspicious guy, but um, seasonal employees that don't think they should have been laid off or that sort of thing. Um, or maybe they, they were think... hung over. I was yeah, thinking any... about that. Uh, yeah. They'd yeah. partied all well, night and they didn't you know, go through all the steps. Into, then you get into the mistake mode and that's the other, you know, and that's people are human. And, yeah. and these mills have mistakes. I, I, it frustrates me when I see certain manufacturers get cited over and over for uh, potentially dangerous uh, rotations on their production. 
and FDA come in and do uh, a, a survey and they'll write them up and say, you, you have a potential here for a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't think you're doing your clean outs right yeah, or, or something like that. And they ignore that. They throw it in a file and they, they don't change. And so there again, the best answer not to have the medications on the property to start off with. It's the closest thing that that we can do to make that guarantee. Um, And there have been some, I see online on social media where somebody will go to the trouble to survey a whole bunch of manufacturers and and run a list, you know, and say, these are the people that don't do any medications in their mills. Um, And it's it's worthwhile to search those out because things aren't... Uh, the industry changes all the time and everybody's cutting corners and everybody's trying to make the money they can make out of the deal. And um, a lot of, you know, we've seen and Tigger, you and I have talked in the past about how there was a time when all the premium feed products were fixed formulated. And now a lot of them are, are least cost formulated. Well, a lot of, uh, a lot of horse feeds used to be made in dedicated mills that mm-hmm. um, they see an economic opportunity by being able to make multi-species uh, feeds in those mills and they're tempted by medications and, you know, and not that they'll ever have a problem, but that ups the opportunity a thousandfold. Yep. I mean, you know, if the medications aren't there, they can't get in the feed. When right. can you just briefly exp- explain the difference between a fixed feed formula? Absolutely. There was a time when, as I said, when all of the premium feeds were fixed formulated. And that meant that every time you manufactured it, you made it exactly the same with mm-hmm. exactly the same ingredients in exactly the same ratios. And so what you did, the most practical thing to do in that case was um, the law requires that on your ingredients list that you list those ingredients from the most used as the first one listed to the least used. By weight. By weight, not volume. By, by, by weight, yeah. By, and by inclusion percentage. And so those, and if you look on, and I'll, I'll use Renew Gold as a shameless example. Uh, Go ahead. We love Renew Gold. If you look look at the bag, the ingredients list is printed on the bag. I can't change it without making that label illegal. Mm. But so many feed companies have found that while they have to guarantee protein, fat, fiber, and ash on their analysis, they don't need to say how they get there. So they've, they'll have a, a ingredient broker that will shop the ingredient markets every week or every buying cycle, however often they buy their ingredients. And one week they may buy one ingredient that is 12% protein, a grain based ingredient. The next week they might buy a different one. Um, but it's still the same amount of protein. All they have to do, and then they'll stir that around to hit that same protein, fat, fiber, and ash, but it'll be a totally different ingredient list. So they've completely changed your feed program by doing that. And the way you identify that is it has a sewn-on tear tag on the bag. 
They can't print the ingredients on the physically on the bag itself because they'd have to reprint the bags every time. This way, they only have to reprint the little tear tag. Yeah. So fixed formulation, always made the same. Ingredients always printed physically on the bag itself. Least cost formulated, different every time you buy it. Always has an attached tag on the bag because they can just print that little tag. Well, one thing I've noticed, when is that the fixed cost uh, feeds list their ingredients on their website and the others don't because Isn't it's always that an changing. Interesting deal. Well, mm. you, how would you do it? You'd have to yeah. have your webmaster in there yeah. every <laughs> you week, know, every week change, <laughs> yeah. changing your ingredients yes. list. And I do a lot of direct to the customer help on the phone and always have. And when somebody will say, I feed such and such, uh, and they may be in New Jersey, uh, and it'll be a, a local, regional, while I'm talking to them on the phone, I'll pull it up on the website, yep. and I'll try to look at the ingredients list. And it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a dead giveaway. Um, yep. If I go through that ingredients or through that website and cannot find an ingredient list, then I know it's a least cost formulated feed. And then it's kind of shooting in the in the dark yeah. because, uh, you know, and I've had people with, you know, on, on some nationally branded products say, well, I feed X because I can get it everywhere I go. I travel a lot. Well, I can get, I, yeah. I get it everywhere I go. What they can get everywhere they go is the same bag. What's in the bag <laughs> is mm-hmm. completely different. That's a really they, good point. Yeah. From where they left. And so, and, and all of us know that uh, horses just thrive on consistency. Um, you find what works and you stick with what works at the same amounts and the same ratios adjusted to, uh, to uh, caloric needs depending on effort changes. But other than that, you, you keep them in that same sweet spot as far as what really gets their body to function normally and naturally and efficiently. And you don't change that. You don't want to change that. And um, these least cost formulated feeds, every time you open a bag, you potentially you're changing it. And um, if they're fed at any significant amount, you're changing it significantly. Yeah. Yeah. When thank you so much. Always. I, I love the, your multiple years, 35 years of experience. Um, we have to have you back because you know so much and it's important to carry on that knowledge to um, us, us, us other horse people. <laughs> well, you're fighting the good fight and I'm always happy to help if there's any way I can. Well, and, I really uh, appreciate it, Wynn. Okay, yeah, well, I enjoyed information. it. Thank you so much. Hello. Hetty. Hi, Hetty. How are you? Tigger and Patty. And who is joining us this evening? Is it Jennifer? It is. Hello, Jennifer. Honored to speak with you again, Hetty. Always pleased to speak with you as well. Hedwig, we we um we've been discussing or thinking about music 
and, oh, good. <laughs> um, you know, how, how wonderful it is for the spirit. If you were going to play an instrument and learn to play an instrument, what would it be and why? Oh, what's an interesting question, given that I am a small dog and have no thumbs, and therefore you're discriminating against me because all instruments require thumbs. Huh. Uh, now that's that not have... true. Oh, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> like a hand drum you could beat oh. with your with your head. tail or your head or your <laughs> paw. Yeah. Really, you're grasping, and I'm embarrassed for you now. <laughs> Once again, we've proven that you're just discriminating against small dogs and then grasping. But if we were to pretend that I had thumbs and was therefore somehow capable of playing musical instruments designed by humans, which I would never do because I'm a small dog, I think that I would play the kazoo. <laughs> Can I guess why? Can I guess why? Would you go you right a, ahead. Would you have a yellow kazoo because it would remind you of cheese? No. Oh, okay. It was just a question. It would be red. <laughs> it would be red? I don't know what color. I think purple. Purple? It yes. would clash with you. Yeah, why purple? I'm curious. Because it would just lovely with my suits. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, you are okay. a fashion conscious, a fashion conscious dog, so that does make sense, I guess. Yes. Well, being blessed with extraordinarily good looks, one must work with what one has. Yeah. <laughs> and so what kind of songs would you play on your kazoo? Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> A Not little five-pawn from a small dog. There you go. There, there we go. you go. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Hattie. Yeah. We appreciate your input on musical instruments, and we will expect to see a jump in the uh, stock price of kazoo manufacturers. Purple, short purple kazoos. kazoos. <laughs> Everybody wants one. Yes, they do. Could, maybe you could play a little bit um, on the next show. Oh. Well, if you're very lucky. It, you can Perhaps start I will. Okay, we will be so thrilled. We'll expect to hear your so thrilled kazoo, kazoo. kazoo, yes. kazoo skills. Okay, thank no you, Hedy. Problem. <laughs> well, thanks, Hetty. Okay, thanks, Hetty. Goodbye. We are now at the Tigopedia uh, portion of our show, and I have um, actually a question I had just asked Tigger today, and it was sort of an interesting role in response, and it was about magnesium. And I know as a trainer, I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, Jennifer, but um, you know, I have over the years been told it's very good to you know um, have your horses on magnesium. And I said to Tigger today, I said, gee, do you think Stu needs to be on magnesium, blah, blah, blah? And, and she was like, why? <laughs> So I said, I I want my question to be on magnesium. And she said, okay. (laughs) I have have uh, an an inkling about how this conversation is going to go, but go for it, Tigger. I can send you the text. (laughs) It started out, good morning, Tiggyrilla. Stu needs magnesium. Why? 
<laughs> but anyway, the question is, and I think any of the listeners would really benefit from that because, and even trainers that listen, um, because this is the first time I've ever heard this. And now there, the couple things that I would like to say, I was always told it was good for muscle recovery or help their muscles not get tight. I also have, you know, was always knew that it was for helping horses that were a little bit more reactive, sort of relax a little bit more. Um, my, my question to you today was about a Grand Prix horse working very hard. Should he have a certain amount of magnesium? Now my horse is on all BioStar um, products and, uh, and cool stance. Um, and, um, okay, Tigger go. Okay. <laughs> You're up. So, um, research at Auburn university, um, there's, has, has determined that the deficiency is virtually rare in horses. Okay. And the reason is, 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 is because first of all, we're not exactly sure how much magnesium they need. Mm -hmm. Um, we think it's five milligrams a day, but, um, grasses and vegetation, um, are loaded with magnesium. Okay. So it's unlikely to be a deficit. It's so interesting. Okay. So my take on magnesium is, first of all, you have to consider that magnesium in the body works with calcium. Okay. When you supplement one mineral and you and it's not then balanced with it's, Another. it's opposite or it's pair, which is calcium. Magnesium is sort of the muscle that relaxes and calcium is the muscle that contracts. Think right. of them together. So if now you're adding more magnesium, do you have enough calcium? Do you need to add mm -hmm. more calcium to it? So that's always my first concern when you add one mineral because the minerals work in combination with each other. The second is the form of magnesium. I mean, you can use a really inexpensive Epsom salts, for example, um, a magnesium oxide um, or magnesium sulfate. Um, if you give too much, your horse is going to get diarrhea. It's, right. it's not a highly bioavailable form of magnesium. Some of the best, I think, are the malates, magnesium malate. There are a couple of companies that have it. Um, and here's the thing with magnesium, some horses respond great to it mm -hmm. and some horses, there's no response at all. Right. And I have, I've seen that. So that's clearly telling you whether you have a deficiency or not. And again, right. deficiency as it's, as we know it from a scientific point of view, there, there was one instance that Auburn gave of a broodmare that, um, w was not eating for a long period of time while nursing. And when they drew blood, she had a magnesium deficiency. Okay. okay. So, but that's because she's not eating food that contains magnesium. Right. So, you know, a horse on pasture and hay is getting magnesium. Now, is some of the hay lower in magnesium than it used to be? Possibly. If you're going to if you're going to supplement, make sure you you give it in a bioavailable form. I know Epsom salts are cheap, but I would go with a malate 
because then your horse is really going to, if it needs it, it's really going to get the effects of it. Right. But make sure you're not imbalancing all the other minerals because right. they all live in concert together. That's, I think that's the most interesting thing is that you, um, is you don't, <laughs> that's just so interesting because like you think about it because I mean, I, I mean for a while there, um, I, years ago, I was like, okay, they all need magnesium, blah, 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 blah. And I can't remember why I got on that kick. And so, you know, I actually bought magnesium and I would put it in their, in all of their food. And then I realized, well, some of the horses were coming up with diarrhea. So I stopped doing it because I thought, well, that's not right. <laughs> you know, if their body's obviously telling yeah. me, hello, <laughs> this is not working, you know, so I stopped doing it. Um, but that's it. That, that's an interesting thing. Um, so when, when do you do you does like does BioStar use magnesium or mag uh, products that have magnesium no. in any of the things? So it's we not use like foods any- that are high in magnesium, mm-hmm. but we don't use isolated magnesium ever. Right. Okay. Because it's not a food. Right. Well, it, no. It, it because it we don't believe that that minerals should be isolated. We believe okay. that they live in concert with other minerals. Right. Okay. That's the way they are in nature. I'm not going to eat any raw eggs, but doggone it, I love myself some pancake batter. (laughs) See, they go together and they're good. Yeah. Separate, not so much. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Well, there you go. We're now at Critter Nutrition, and I'm actually going to um, read some excerpts from um, a rather large article that I wrote called Contaminated Feed and Supplements. You can access it at biostarus.com under articles um, in light of the ractopamine um, banned substance found in two prominent dressage horses. Um, I wanted to jump down the rabbit hole and learn more about contamination and rectopamine and how we can avoid it. So rectopamine is approved for in the U.S. for pigs and turkeys and cattle to build muscle and size. Nearly 160 nations ban or restrict the use of this drug during pig production, including the European Union, Russia, and China. Rectopamine belongs to a class of drugs called beta agonists that were developed to treat asthma and adapted for animal use when they were shown to boost growth rates by increasing protein synthesis. The drug clenbuterol that's used for COPD and other airway diseases is also a beta agonist drug. The FDA has linked rectopamine to nearly a quarter of a million reported adverse events in pigs more than any other animal drug. According to the Cornucopia Institute, the controversial drug is used in as many as 80% of all American pig and cattle operations. In cattle production, the drug is administered during the days leading up to slaughter. Other drugs used in cattle and hogs require a clearance period of two weeks to ensure the compounds are flushed from the body prior to slaughter. However, there is no clearance period required for rectopamine. Um, Rectopamine is not, of course, the only illegal substance that we can find um, that in contaminated feeds. Menensin is toxic and deadly to horses in trace amounts. 
once a horse has ingested menensin, the damage is irreversible and treatment is supportive. Symptoms of menensin toxicity include colic, sweating, muscle wasting, bloating, kidney failure, damage to the heart muscle, respiratory distress, stiffness, and inability to stand. How common is feed contamination? A journey down the rabbit hole illuminated to me the fact that contamination is not as rare as one would hope. From 2013 to 2016, there have been a total of 221 reported deaths, injuries, and positive drug tests from contaminated equine feeds, not including the positive drug tests from several Canadian provinces whose precise numbers I was unable to locate. What we don't know is the number of horses possibly exposed to rectopamine who were never tested. The U.S. is not the only country that faces feed contamination. In September 2015, two Swiss jumper riders were finally declared no fault by the FEI after their horses tested positive for morphine and codeine. The riders were able to establish a case of contamination by feed company Swiss Fritz. The feed had been contaminated with poppy seeds. The Queen of England's second-place Ascot winner, Estimate, tested positive for morphine in 2014. Poppy seeds contain minute amounts of morphine and codeine. The contamination came from poppy seeds entering the supply chain during harvesting, processing, transport, or storage. For eight horses that returned a positive test for morphine contamination, it was traced back to the feed sold by Dodson and Horrell Feed Company. According to the British Horse Racing Authority, no penalty was imposed on the trainers. However, the horses were disqualified. In my article, I have researched um, a list of contaminated cases that are part of the public record, and you're welcome to go down and and read um, all those. (laughs) Supplement contamination. Um, The famous 2009 case where a vitamin mineral supplement prepared by a compounding pharmacy killed 21 polo ponies because the supplement contained toxic levels of selenium. How do we reduce the risk of contaminated feeds. Purchase feed from a company whose mills only produce horse feed. Unfortunately, these mills are rare as most mills that make horse feed also make livestock feed, particularly medicated livestock feed. Buy organic feed. Mills that are certified organic cannot run medicated feeds. Non-GMO ingredients are important for overall horse health, but can still come from facilities that make medicated feeds. A mill that provides a dedicated medication-free production line for their equine feeds is still at risk when there are medications on the premises. Component feeding can reduce risk as you are buying individual feed components that are often milled in facilities that are specific to each ingredient. For instance, mill. A mill right, a rice mill or oat mill, coconut, wheat, forage. Um, it's important because there is much less of, a, of contamination. Dehydrated foods like coconut meal, Timothy pellets and cubes, alfalfa pellets and cubes are available from companies that only mill coconut or forages or certified organic ingredients. These would be cool stance. Stanley and New Country Organics. Companies such as Renew Gold have their equine products made in specific facilities of which there are no medicated feeds or any medication on the premises. Renew Gold has their raw ingredients bagged before transport and then bagged immediately after the production run. 
Check with your feed company about the transportation protocols used for their individual ingredients. Do not underestimate the risk of contamination coming from ingredients transported in bulk, not bags. Remember, mills are testing their own feeds for contamination at much more lenient, acceptable levels than the testing labs of Federation and Racing Commissions. This means that companies need to start lowering their threshold of acceptable contamination. For those of us in the equine industry, the only acceptable level is zero. The FDA has a list of animal and veterinary product recalls and withdrawals from the market, which can be found on the FDA official website. The list is updated weekly, and you can also sign up for regular email notification from this page. A quick perusal showed that from January to April 2017, there were 11 recalls, mostly of dog and cat food, but one for rabbit pellets. One dog food brand was recalled for the presence of the drug phenobarbital. There was a time not so long ago when livestock and horse feed was simply mixed grains made in local mills, also often from locally grown corn, oats, and barley. The advent of complete feeds added another component, vitamin and mineral premixes. But the rise in corporate concentrated animal feeding operations brought the need to medicate thousands of animals kept in confinement. Thus began the era of medicated additives and medicated feeds as concentrated feeding operations looked to the pharmaceutical industry for medications used to increasing the weight and size of their animals before slaughter. In 2016, the global medicated feed additives market was estimated at $11.16 billion. Medicated feed concentrates, which are substances mixed with other feed materials to form a complete feed or as part of a feed supplement, are now estimated to represent the fastest growing segment of the market. Another component of big ag is size. Over time, we've lost many of our small local and regional feed mills and companies because they were either swallowed up by big ag or unable to compete. What this has done is condense our feed supply, almost centralizing it to only a few big players. Think of big ag companies as gigantic aircraft carriers, hard to quickly maneuver and slow to change course even when a course change is essential. We consumers have become reliant on convenience which, which complete feeds provide, but we are now beginning to see that the convenience may put our horses, dogs, and ourselves at risk. Big Ag is not just the producers and purveyor of animal feed and pet feed. The livestock they feed are the meats we eat. There once was a company named Ralston Purina founded in 1894. Purina Mills was the animal feed division of Ralston Purina that was sold in 1986 to British Petroleum, who then sold it to Sterling Group of Houston in 1993 and then to the Koch brothers in 1998 and finally to Land O'Lakes in 2001. Ralston Purina spun off its international feed business as Agribrands, which Cargill acquired in 2001. Cargill also owns Neutrina and Progressive Nutrition. Also in 2001, Ralston Purina, now primarily a pet food company, merged with Swiss food giant Nestle. This merger gave Nestle ownership of the Purina Chow brand names, which are now licensed to Purina Mills, which is Land O'Lakes, by Nestle. Outside the U.S., Nestle licenses those branding rights for the animal feeds to Cargill. In Canada, for example, Purina Dog Chow is a Cargill product. Where do we go from here? Despite the speed of the internet and the connectivity it provides, the equine community is largely separated between disciplines. 
I spoke recently with a couple of barrel racers who had no idea that rectopamine had shown up in a routine drug test of two dressage horses. Likewise, I had no idea about two barrel race horses who died from menensid contamination last year. Nor did I know about the Canadian standard bred horses or the American thoroughbred race horses who tested positive for rectopamine. Contamination of feet is a problem for all of us in the horse world, but we need to share facts, not hyperbole. We need to stand up for changes to big ag, which require a zero-tolerance stance toward medication residue in feeds, that equine feeds be made in medication-free facilities, that non-bag bulk ingredients be tested for medication residue and other contaminants by load when they arrive at the mill before being blended into complete feed formulas. We need to demand fixed feed formulas which list the ingredients specifically. One of the challenges of assessing feeds is that variable formulas don't list ingredients on company websites and that variable feed formulas change weekly or even daily according to the cheapest combination of ingredients. We need to demand organics, particularly of the feed ingredients most susceptible to glyphosate exposure, soy, alfalfa, corn, rice, sunflower, flax, sugar beets, wheat, and molasses. We need to stop accepting contamination as business as usual. There are so many recalls on the FDA site for food in general that it boggles the mind. Admittedly, some of the infractions are labeling issues, such as undeclared soy in a chocolate product or undeclared milk in a marinara sauce. But many other infractions include listeria and E. coli contamination in human food products. The big ag facilities process huge amounts of food products and animal feeds, increasing exponentially the chances for contamination, whether it be beef thyroid hormone or phenobarbital in dog food or ractopamine or menensin in horse feed. It's time to demand more of the feed industry. We cannot accept the status quo. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And on the lighter side of life, <laughs> we thought it would be fun uh, because we know the popularity of um, the designer dogs like Golden Doodles and Labradoodles and Puggles and Cockapoos and Yorkapoos and Schnoodles. Um, we were going to come up with our own crosses that probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Patty P., what do you have? Um 
Well, I don't know why I found this one to be so funny because I just had so much fun thinking about it all day. Um, I think, and and but didn't we decide that they would be the most unlikely of crosses? Well, unlikely um, and ones that you wouldn't want to create as a you mean dog. like a Great Dane Chihuahua and called a Great Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm just <laughs> okay. I had a Great Dane cross too. You did okay. What was yours? With a dachshund. It was a Doc Dane. <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, Jennifer, what I do you know. have? Let me see. I don't think I had any Great Dane ones. No, uh, my first one is a Labrashund. <laughs> it, ret- it digs in the ground and retrieves moles. Oh. You want that? That's good. Okay. <coughs> okay, Tigger, what else do you have? Okay, so I have a, a poppy corg. A poppy a pop <laughs> a poppy on corgi. Oh, that's good. Poppy corg. Okay, okay, that's funny because I have I have a corgi pie, <laughs> which is a, a sharp a sharp hay and a corgi. <laughs> <laughs> Which can you only imagine? No, that oh. would be the ugliest dog ever. Oh, ever. <laughs> oh, I have a I have a Sharpe mix too. Okay. I have a Sharp Lamute. A Sharp Lamute. <laughs> Which That's is awesome. a Sharpe Alaskan Malamute. Okay. It's going to chase it's going to chase the UPS truck for 3 miles and then when they stop he's good, and the driver gets out he's going to bite him. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, that's good. Okay. Okay. Tigger, what else you got? I have a Dober Palm. A Dober Palm. Oh. Oh. Be careful. Eddie might hear about that. A Dober Palm is also known known as a housewife of New Jersey. Can you imagine? That's just what I pictured. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh yes, can and pointing her little nails. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, P. Okay, I have an Aussie schnauzer. <laughs> an Australian schnauzer. Oh it's just when you think about the energy level of that, there's really just no no good no yeah. good reason to do that. You know how no on in in that. in Marvel comics. When one of the bad guys um, just spontaneously combusts, yes, that's it. That would, yes, that's yeah, it. right there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Wow, I agree. Jennifer, um, I have a cybernard. <laughs> cybernard, which is a Siberian husky Saint Bernard. Oh, good. That's a good one. Yes, he's going to I, dig his way one. out of the backyard, and at the end of a twenty-mile-long jog, the first human being that makes eye contact with him, he's going to go sleep on his couch. <laughs> oh perfect okay here we go oh the cyber Sig? okay well i i was in the husky i have a husky poo ah, husky poo, husky poo. Husky poo. What, a husky? poodle husky mix oh god that's good oh god that's curly good. hair that okay. sheds yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. and owls and owls. <laughs> okay so my my last one is <laughs> A burfrenchug. What? <laughs> a burfrenchug. A French bulldog, St. Bernard. <laughs> a burfrenchug. 
We're French. We're French. Ugg. I thought it was you would. It was a French bulldog with a pug. No, we're French. Well, it, it, the burr, the burr is for the, Bernard. Bernard, the French, and then for the Ugg was actually supposed to be dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept thinking about what that would look at look like, and I really, really wow. didn't put a lot of thought into the name. But. Wow. Jennifer. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see what else have I got. Oh, I've got one more. It's an okay. air. It is an air hound. It's an Airedale <laughs> terrier and greyhound mix because, and that's bad because God. that's going to be sixty-five pounds of bad attitude that can go thirty-five miles an hour. <laughs> she did descriptions. You know what I mean? Yeah, that we was need good. To, we need to do this again with descriptions like Jennifer. Okay. okay, here's my last one. It's my favorite. What's that? <laughs> it's a chow box. A chow, bo- <laughs> a chow chow boxer. Chow chow boxer. <laughs> oh God, that's good. You know the sad thing is, is sometimes you actually see these dogs. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think any of these have been seen. No, I hope not. And this is not to give anybody ideas. This was. <laughs> yes. This was just to be silly. I've I've got a couple oh. of I've got a couple of fun horsey ones. Okay. Oh. Yeah. These are these are some fun. These are ones that we actually have come up with on the horses in the morning show and we go do weird stuff sometimes. Um, a paint mini cross is a minto. <laughs> and an Andalusian lipazon is not only a fantastic dressage horse, but it is also referred to it as an Andizan. <laughs> an Andizan? An Andizan. And, and for pony lovers, we've got you covered. We've got the Gotland pony, Newfoundland pony cross called a Gotfound. <laughs> and uh, last but not least we have the tacky cracker which is a carolina marsh tacky crossed with a florida cracker it's a tacky cracker oh my gosh that's so funny <laughs> ridden by small children with with jelly on their fingers oh god <laughs> so funny yes oh yes i could go on i have lots and lots of those okay yes. this this was a good one this was this was that was a lot of fun the, the coffee clutch was a lot of fun this time yes i enjoyed that oh. if you have if you come up with any great uh designer dog uh ideas please go to our facebook page or go to our website healthycritters.com and uh Tell share awesome. us your your we want new designer your dogs. Yes. yes, tell us about your Aussie schnooze. <laughs> <laughs> Aussie schnooze. <laughs> or your great Wawa. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up, ladies. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, BioStar US. You can find them online at BioStarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. 
while hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 